Well, hello, good morning. Welcome to Press Church. My name is Sean Lee. I'm so glad to have you guys here. If you are new with us today, we are so glad that you are joining us. And for those of you watching online, uh, thank you for being with us as well. Uh, this is our last week of our Enough series. So I'm excited. I'm excited to bring this today. Uh, I'm excited to close this up. I think this has been a great series for us. And we've, like we said, we felt uh, a lot of what we've been talking about, the, the tensions of this life, the struggles, the the stress of everything going on, and we, we've all just kind of gotten to the point where it's like, hey, I've had enough, I'm done, I'm sick of it, we're COVID fatigued, we're political fatigued, we're just fatigued. Uh, and we all have our own stresses that we bring from our work and from jobs and from school and all these other places. And so I feel like uh, today will be a good, just culmination of all that. But before I dig in, I do want uh, to send a, a, an invite to everybody. We are starting a brand new series next week. Uh, it's going to be really fun. It's going to be through the month of October. And I want to encourage each of us for this series, if you know somebody that's not engaging in church, invite them to come with you. A lot of times if you just invite somebody randomly, they're not going to come to church. But if you say, hey, I'm going next week, you should come with me. I'm going to challenge each of you for this new series. Uh, it's going to be, it, the series is going to be a little weird. It's going to be a little fun. So I think you should uh, be on the lookout. We're going to put some advertisements out for it this coming week. But uh, think of somebody that you know that maybe isn't engaging in church or who used to be in church or who you just think could use some hope in their life and say, hey, come with me to church. Or if nothing else, you can say, hey, let's watch it together because, you know, we do stream and you don't have to be here to take it in. So if you have somebody in mind, think about that for this next week. All right, so let's dig in today. I'm going to do things a little differently and I'm going to jump right into the story. All right, I'm going to look at a story. It's in Mark chapter 9. And I'm just going to read it for us. Let's read it together. Mark chapter 9, starting in verse 14. When they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd. This is Jesus and a couple of his other disciples. They saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them. As soon as the people, all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. What are you arguing with them about, he asked. A man in the crowd answered, teacher, I brought you, my son, who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. You unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. I'd love to get some, like, context of, like, how he said that. Like, if it was, like, you unbelievable, you know, it's like, is he, like, yelling at these people? So they brought him. When the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked, asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, Take pity on us and help us. If you can, Jesus said, I love that, if you can, everything is possible for one who believes. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said, he's dead. 
But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet and stood up. After Jesus had gone indoors, his, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, this kind can only come out by prayer. You know, we all bring our own experiences and frameworks into how we read the Bible. Uh, it can often be really hard to read it in a neutral way because we just bring our, our own experiences. We think, we, you know, we see a line and we assume how Jesus was talking, or we see, uh, you know, certain elements of the scripture and just assume, like, oh, well, this is how it would play out. And it's hard, you know, we, it's, it's hard to come at it in a, in a way of, like, actually looking at it, what actually happened here, because we all bring our own, uh, you know, personalities to it. And this is one thing I do love about our church. Uh, if you are new with us, every week, the pastors, we get together and we talk through the message. And this is something that's really fun, I think. Unique for us is the three of our pastors, Pastor C.R., Pastor Jason, they usually join me. And we talk through, you know, what do we see in these scriptures? And I love hearing, you know, different angles. Because I think of it like, I'll read something and be like, oh, yeah, it totally means this. And, you know, C.R. will be like, no, I don't think it means that. I think it means this. And it's like, oh, I never thought of it that way. And then Jason will be like, well, if you look at the Hebrew and uh, the way that the Jewish people would have done this, you would know that it does this and this. So you're both wrong. And we're like, I don't know. And so it's just, it's fun. It's fun to get, you know, some different elements in that. And so this is something, you know, like I said, every week we get in the car, we, we talk about these things. And so let's, let's listen as Pastor Jason, Pastor C.R. and myself talk through this, this passage. I think the thing that people could be like, why are we talking about this story for this series? We're talking about enough. What does this have to do? Well, I think a there, guy bringing his son who has right. a, you know, a demon in him. What does this have to do with the right. series? Well, like, I mean, it, did he have enough faith? What who here feels faith? like their child is demonic? Yeah. <laughs> right, right, yeah. Uh, sometimes. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, it, it, I mean, essentially, it's about belief or faith, right? right? I mean, we've talked about that with the Israelites and their lack of faith, right? right. Yeah. But in this particular story, it's, you know, a dude who's saying, like, hey, I'm here. I'm here. I brought and, my uh, kid. I brought my kid. Your and, disciples uh, didn't uh, fix them. Your people, they don't yeah. know what's going on. And, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, all right, I'm here. That says I believe, right? Yeah, but right. Uh, help me with my unbelief. Yeah. yeah. Right. I, th I feel like God is asking us to say enough to him like god yes i've had enough i don't feel like i have enough mm -hmm. i i don't get what is enough i yeah. feel like I've are done you enough, enough? <laughs> yeah are you enough right yeah. and, really? and but take it to god like really genuinely ask him that we kind of fall into the the disciple role in this story where you know, people come to the church like, all right, show me what I'm And we, we're like the helpless disciples. Well, and we try to figure that, it all out on our own, right? right. I mean, we're like, well, I, let's try this or let's yeah. do this. Right. And, and I would completely understand if a person who is, maybe they're stepping into this world of the church or Christianity, and they're like, yeah, okay, I, I hear there's something to this. You do have this guy who does bring his kid forward and he, he has an expectation. He does have a belief, presents it to the disciples and nothing Happen. Jesus walks up and they're arguing. Yeah. This guy and the disciples and it says the religious leaders right, were there. Yeah. Right. So the context is arguing. Yes. Well, I wonder how many Christians read this particular narrative and, and when they read it, where do they, which character do they identify with? Mm -hmm. yeah. I think a lot of the yeah. Christians identify with the man. 
mm-hmm. the father. Sure. You're like, oh, help me with my unbelief. I want to do better. Right. I want to be better at this. And when really the people in the church are more like the disciples. Right. Yep. Who are basically failing at representing <laughs> Jesus right. to a, someone who's trying to believe. Right. You know, at some point, we as a church have to identify a little more with the disciples mm-hmm. who are trying to do what they think God wanted them to do. Right. And, I mean... Generally not, failing miserably. Yeah. <laughs> and the, the question is why. Right. Yeah. What is it that's keeping us from moving forward with what God wants us to do? Yeah. We're in enough series. It's like, <laughs> can, we try to be enough for people instead of pointing yeah. them to God. Right. I, I think that's the problem. We do identify with the guy who's asking for help with his unbelief because we know how little we actually believe. Right. In, in our heart, we, we know we're struggling here. Yeah. Uh, I think at best, you know, we're, we're stumbling towards God. Mm-hmm. And our brokenness, our, the fallen nature of uh, mankind and our existence in it, you know, and it's like, and yet we're trying to present something to others to, in in a way where they would want it, right? You know, and and so anybody who is searching and they're stepping into this, are going, okay, guys, like, what is this? What is this all about? What, what, you know, what is this Christianity thing? You know, yeah. we get painted a certain way uh, in the media, and and, and some a lot of times it's true. true. Yeah. Right. You know, that's the unfortunate. Sadly. It's, it's true. Right. And it's like, what are we doing about that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, so as we look at this story, you know, we see Jesus quickly bombarded uh, with the situation. It says they, they join the other disciples, and he's reminded of just the brokenness of this world. He says, how long will I stay in this unbelieving generation? Uh, and, and we don't know exactly who he's speaking to. We don't know if he's speaking to the disciples there, if he's speaking to the Father, if he's speaking to the religious leaders. Uh, but he, he does say it. Um, and we have to know, I think it's interesting what happened right before this. I didn't read the scriptures before this. Before this, it's known in scripture as the transfiguration. So Jesus takes Peter, James, and John with him up to a mountain, and he is transfigured uh, before them. There's like some crazy stuff starts happening. Like, they're up on a mountain, and Jesus becomes, like, all white, and they're, like, looking around, like, what's going on? And then all of a sudden, they see Elijah and Moses there, and they're like, okay, what's going on here? And, and Peter, it's funny, he starts kind of bumbling, like, uh-oh, what should we do? Are we supposed to be here? You know, and it, it's like, can you imagine that? Like, all of a sudden, it's like you, you see dead people, you know, it's, and it's not the sixth sense. You know, it's like, oh, my gosh, I know you. I've read, you know, scriptures about you. And then Jesus is all white, and, you know, Peter's just like, uh, should we be here? Should we build a tent for you guys? Like, he, he, he just doesn't know what to say. And right after this, in, in, in chapter 7 of, uh, or in chapter, verse 9 of chapter 7, it says that a cloud appeared and covered them. And a voice came from the cloud saying, this is my son whom I love. Listen to him. It's like, wow. Okay, so you're, you're up on a mountain. You see some dead guys that seemingly don't look dead. Jesus is like bright and shining. This cloud comes over, and then his voice comes from the cloud saying, this is my son whom I love, listen to him. Like, that would get my attention. Like, I, oh, okay, like I, feel, I felt like there was something special about this Jesus guy before, but now, okay. And so, this is what they're coming from. 
they were just on the mountain. They had this crazy experience. They heard the voice of God. They're coming down, and what do they find? People arguing. It's like they had this huge spiritual experience, this high, and they come down, and it was like, oh, that's nice. They come down, it's like, oh, what are they doing? They're arguing. Oh, that's typical, right? They're just arguing. It kind of puts me in mind, like, you know, you go out and have, like, a really nice, uh, like, if you have a vacation, and it's just a super nice vacation, it was awesome, and you don't want to come home, and you come home, and you just realize, okay, I get, it's, it's back to the grind. I have to go back to work, and the kids, they're, the kids are screaming, or, you know, the, just something. There's always something. So you have this great experience, and all is good, and you're excited, and you're whatever, and you get back into life, and it just, like, slaps you in the face. You're like, okay, well, this is, yep, back to reality. And I, I feel like that was the feeling for, like, Jesus' and the disciples. They, they get off this spiritual high moment that's unbelievable, and what are they doing? They're complaining about people. They're complaining about this guy not being healed. And this is, this is the place where Jesus' mission is. The mission isn't that, like, spiritual high up on the thing. It's, it's the people. It's, it's the broken, the hurt, the unbelieving people. And it's like they're reminded that's where it is. And this is what we feel. We are wrestling with the weight of this life while partnering in God's mission. And so we feel that. We feel the struggle of this life. We feel the arguments and the annoyances and the things that just take the wind out of us. But yet, at the same time, we are still a part of what God is doing. That is part of the mission. People are part of God's mission. We can't get away from that. And we see it. There's so much need. There's so much. We feel it. We see it. It's everywhere. That's part of the, you know, part of the struggles. We can look around. It doesn't seem right. Something's missing. Something, it must be better. And we can just feel overwhelmed. But if it's God's mission, who do we need? We need God. It's his mission. It's his purpose. And so when I feel overwhelmed, I love this verse. You've probably heard this before, John 16, 33. I love this. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. So that in who? Who do we find peace? Him. In me, you will find peace. Not like me. This is, in God, you will find peace. We need him. We need God. Just, just, have you said, just say that. God, I need you. Just say that. God, I need you. God, I need you. Say it again. God, I need you. And now, like, in your internal head or whatever, in your heart, say it. Like, just th really think about that. Like, actually thinking, God, I need you. Like, how often do we run to him? I mean, I'm not the only one that it's, like, really hard to have peace when life sucks, right? It's really hard to have peace when everything's— I, every, it's funny, when I say sucks, it's like a curse word to some of you guys. I'm sorry. This is a broken pastor here, right? <laughs> I just see it. It's funny. I saw some, like— cringes. I'm sorry. I, it's, it's hard when life is hard. It's hard to have peace when life is hard. It's hard to have peace when things are going wrong, when you didn't get the job promotion, when your kids aren't acting how you want, when your girlfriend or boyfriend just broke up with you, when your spouse is cheating on you, 
that's when, that's when it's real. You know, it's not just talking about, oh, you know, when someone says a bad thing to me. No, like we are dealing with like real life stuff. And it doesn't feel good. And what do we do? Can we, can we actually look to God and say, like, I need you? God, are you really able to provide peace? And maybe that's why we don't reach out. Maybe there's some of that doubt in there. Like, are you really able to do that? But think about it in this story. Isn't that what the father wanted? Imagine being the father in the story. Wouldn't you be tired? If you've had a sick kid before for any extended period of time, you know how exhausting and how just it, it just drains you. It takes it out of you. And it can be scary. We had my, my little middle son now, not my youngest, but my middle son Jude, when he was six, seven months old, we had to take him to uh, the children's you know, emergency room, and he, he wasn't eating, and he was like, and we found out you know, he, had, he was sick, but we, they didn't know what it was at first, and he wasn't eating, he was losing weight, and we were in there for almost two weeks. We were in children's almost two weeks. It was over Christmas. And I'll tell you what, like, I've experienced sickness myself. My wife has had some emergency stuff. Like, we've had things like that happen. It is different when it's your kid. And you're just, it just takes it out of you. I remember one night, uh, I was tired, and so I just went and walked in the lobby, and I was just like, I don't know what to do. Like, I've prayed. I'm like, God, I've already prayed. You know what I want. Like, I want my kid to be well. Like, I felt like I couldn't even pray anymore. I'm like, God, you've heard me say this already. Like, I, f- I feel like I'm just like a, a broken record here. What, what else can I do? And I was just depleted. And I feel like, like the father in this, like, we just wanted peace. We just wanted to stop. Just stop with the hurting. Stop with, like, just please stop. And I think we get this, to this extremely relatable passage. This is where he says, God, help me with my unbelief. Help me with my unbelief. And I, I feel like a lot of us are there. Like, we, we say, God, I believe, but then help me with my unbelief. Is he being comedic here? But it's true. Like, we, we feel that tension in our life. Like, we're, oh, yes, I believe. Oh, I believe God, and we're going to pray, and yes. And then we don't see certain answers to those prayers. And now, huh, life isn't what I want it to be. God really isn't fixing my problem. But God, help me with my unbelief. We alluded to this in, in the video. You can read things different ways. You get some, some different... Um, readings of the scripture. And so you can get a sense of the father here. He's, he's, he's crying out, I believe, and then help me with my unbelief. So you could see it as like, help me with my unbelief. Please, like I'm desperate. So you could see it in like a desperate way. But you could almost see it in like kind of like an emotional pushback of sorts. Like, hey, I did what I'm supposed to do. I brought you my kid. I brought him to, my, to the disciples and they didn't fix it. Help me with my unbelief. Like, what am I missing here? I think some of us are like that. We're like, I've done the right thing. I did what you said to do. I I put myself out there. I did what was right, and it's still not fixed. What am I supposed to do? And I think we can relate to to probably both of these elements. You know, think of something that's just so out of your control. You know, you've reached that point. I know I can't do it myself. 
and you're at that point, I know I can't do it myself, and there may be like that desperate plea, like, God, I, I really don't have anything else. I don't have anything else to give. Or it could be, like, you're, you're almost maybe a little mad. Like, all right, I've done the right thing. I did the formula. I did what I'm supposed to do. Whoa, what's happening? It's not fixing itself. God, are you going to help? I found this uh, quote by Charles Spurgeon that I thought was, it made sense. It's a good quote. I'd like to read it here. It says, while men have no faith, they are unconscious of their unbelief. But as soon as they get a little faith, they then begin to be conscious of the greatness of their unbelief. It's true, you know, we're almost like naive and we don't have faith. We're almost in that like naive state. But then as soon as we get a little bit of faith, then we then realize that the chasm of like, oh, wow, do I, do I believe? Like, is it there? And I think unbelief is something we don't like to talk about in the church. Like, it feels like very unspiritual. Like, oh, well, don't talk about that. You're a bad Christian if you, if you have unbelief. If you have any unbelief in your life, you're not a good Christian. But you have so many people fighting through that. Even now, you have people deconstructing their faith. You hear about that all the time. We're deconstructing our faith. And I think we get scared. Like, we have to be in control of every single person and their spiritual life and what they're going through. It's like, well, no, don't, don't deconstruct that. God is real. God is good. Do, you, do we not think that, like, God can handle this? In our lives as well, but especially in someone else's life. Like, is God not big enough to handle doubts? Is God not big enough to handle the hurts and the pains of this life that we are trying to make sense of and we are trying to deal with? We all, we, we all have been there, and I think, I think it's kind of a shame to like try to just hide the fact that, that we, we struggle in this sometimes. Because if we say that it's not existing, then we're not encouraging each other when it is happening. It's happening. People are having doubts about their faith. People are having doubts about how God is active in their lives. And if we start just saying, oh, it's bad. You don't do that. No, good Christians don't. Well, I'm, I guess I'm not a good Christian. Maybe God just doesn't love me because I don't get it. So how are we coming around those people who are, who are I don't want to say weak in their faith, who are, who are hurting in their faith, who are in this state of unbelief? Like, what is that? And really, what, what, you know, what are we doing with our, our doubts? Where are we going with our doubts? Because if the church is saying you can't have doubts and you can't have you know, any hesitancy in, in who God is and all these things in Scripture, then where am I supposed to go? Where am I supposed to go with the questions I have about Scripture not making sense? Because there are some Scriptures that are really hard to read. There are some passages that just seemingly don't make sense at first. And we're like, oh no, you know, put, push those under the rug. Don't talk about those. We don't like those passages. But why not? It's okay to have doubts. The question is, what are we doing with them? Where are we taking our doubts? Where are we taking our insecurities? The closing part of this story, I, I think it brings it all together. It, it, it highlights, we see a, t a teaching moment, right? This, this teaching moment with Jesus and his disciples. It doesn't focus on the kid being healed. It doesn't focus on the father. It doesn't focus on the crowd. It doesn't focus on anybody else. It says, you know, Jesus took his disciples to a, a way. They, they get away. 
And it was just him, it was just, just them. And, 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 you know, speaking of doubts, what do the disciples say? Why could we not do it? Why couldn't we fix this? Why couldn't we cast this out? If we look in, in Mark, just, I don't know, five chapters before that, you see authority given to the disciples. Jesus literally says, I give you the authority to heal the sick, to cast out demons. So they just got done receiving this authority from Jesus himself, and now they're faced with a battle that's supposedly winnable, and they fail. They can't do it. Someone say, oh, you, just, you, know, you didn't have enough faith. You know, it's like that cop out, oh, didn't have enough faith. And what does that even mean? I was given authority, I'm supposed to be able to do this, and yet I, I can't. And yet we see, what's Jesus' response? He said, this kind can only come out by prayer. I kind of wish, you know, one of the, I could see maybe Peter doing this, but like one of the disciples being like the bratty one, being like, yeah, Jesus, but you didn't pray to get the demon out. So, what are we missing? Like, we didn't see Jesus, like, get down on his knees and start praying to get the demon out. So, you're saying it can only come out through prayer. You know, what are we missing here? I feel like, you know, we live in a, a society, it's like, I've got a pill for that. You know, we, we, have, we have our pills. I've got my, you know, blood pressure medicine pill and my, you know, whatever pill we have. And it, it makes us feel like we're actually okay, even though there's, there's a problem going on. And so we'll take that pill, and we feel good about ourselves because we don't see the results of, you know, what's happening. But yet we don't change our lives to actually, you know, get to the point where we don't need the pill to have, you know, the feeling that we want. You know, it's a, you know, like the microwave society. It's like, well, just pop it in the microwave, 30 seconds, we're done. Boom, bam. And that's how we approach our faith. We approach our faith in this very like, okay, I do this one thing, I get this one thing, awesome, I love you, God, move on. Or when I need something, I'm going to you know, say the line that I'm supposed to say, and then I'm going to get what I want, and then we're good. Thank you, Jesus, I love you. You know, it's like your little kid. It's, it's funny, I know my daughter loves me. I, I, I know it. But it, it, without fail, this is hilarious. So, like, even Saturday, it just happened. After, after her dance class, I took... Sienna and my daughter and Jude to get a little donut and what does she do we get, I give her the donut and she comes up daddy I love you so much and she gives me a big hug right and I, I know she loves me but she's reacting to her getting something that she wants she says the same thing when I'm like all right you can watch tv oh you're the best daddy ever I'm like well that's that's a low standard you let me watch a movie <laughs> all right but yet we like do that with God, right? Where, where we look at him like, like this father figure maybe that's like supposed to give us the, the thing that we want. And as soon as we get it, oh, thank you, God. I love you. You're the best. You're the best God ever. Like, but that's what we do. Living life like Christ is not a one-time pill. It's, it's actually the opposite. It is a daily dying to yourself. I and mean, we see it in Luke chapter 9. Whoever wants to be my disciples, just do what? Must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. Who wants to be a disciple? Sign up sheets. Pick up your cross, die daily. That sounds awesome. That'll sell really good. We should put a Facebook ad for that. Who wants to die to yourself? Take up your cross daily. Follow Jesus. 
how do we do what seems impossible? It seems impossible. We are naturally very selfish people. We like what we like. We like to feel good. We, you know, and we, we live in a, in a country, in a, in a city that allows us to have a lot of things that we, we want. But how do we live this way? How do we live in a seemingly radical way of life where we're dying to ourselves and taking up our cross? Like, what does that even mean? Well, what does Jesus say? Only by prayer. Prayer is a way for us to align ourselves to God and to what God is doing. You know, if you look at, uh, in Scripture, Jesus talks to the disciples, this is how you pray. And in that, in the Lord's Prayer, we see one, we see an acknowledgement of who he is. Our Father who art in heaven, you know, hallowed be your name. You, you see his will, you know, your kingdom come, your will be done. We're praying that we would see your will. Give us this day our daily bread, you know, petitioning for his help in our daily needs. And yet, our prayer life is more about maybe thanking him before a meal or asking him to fix a problem that we don't like. And so we see Jesus, even in his own life, multiple times, we see him go off and just pray. You see it in scriptures, many times he would go off and he would get away and he would just pray. He would take the time to rejuvenate. He would take the time to remind ourselves, hey, what is, what is my mission? What is going on? You see in the Garden of Gethsemane before Jesus was, was crucified, I mean, he is, he is praying to the point of, of sweating blood. And just a burden, and he's, he's having to remind himself the purpose, the meaning, and he's thinking of all of us. He's thinking of all the brokenness. I'm doing this for you. I'm thinking of them. Prayer is so important. And so I've wrote it this way. The only way that we can have enough, the only way that we can be enough, the only way that we can do enough is through connecting closely with God. This story that we see, it shows a lot of people trying to fix stuff on their own or relying on their own faith to do it. And God is saying, come close to me. Well, just a couple weeks ago, remember when, when, when we're, we're having trouble, when we've had enough, what, draw near to me. Come to me. That's again, we're seeing these themes. Come to me. Pray to me. Align yourself to me. Connect with me. And yet we continue to do it in our own strength. I look around my own life. There's too many instances of me controlling it myself. And I think the thing is, we're, we're more interested in learning, uh, I said we're more eager to, to learn techniques than we are to actually take the time to walk closely with God. Give me the technique. Give me the pill, right? Give me the technique of what I'm supposed to do. We'd much rather get that than actually just walk closely with God. You know, even the disciples. Why couldn't we do this, Jesus? The technique. We, we did the right technique. And with techniques, this is, you know, we can be in charge with techniques. I can be in charge and I can be in control. I saw this line this week. It says, to be disappointed in yourself is to have trusted in yourself. Yeah. And yet so many times we feel that. We've made ourselves like these, these you know, mini gods. We believe in ourselves. I was sharing with the team before service. The problem is we, we live in a time and a place where we do control a lot, seemingly. 
I know that if I do certain things, I will have certain outcomes. In business, if I do certain things or if I advertise a certain amount or whatever it may be, like there's practical outcomes. If you invest a certain way, you know, you're probably going to end up seeing a result that's calculable to a point. Like we control certain things and we're in this balance of how, how, do, I, how do I balance that? It's a, it's a struggle for all of us. I, I mean, I, I honestly think, I think this is a burden for, we don't see it as a burden. This is honestly, I think, a huge burden for even the American church, but especially here, that we are in so much control that we think we control the things that God controls and we can't. It's actually harder for us to embrace the life of Christ because what is that? It's taking up your cross. It's dying to yourself. Again, all these really unsexy things that nobody wants to do. But then we continue to say, I don't feel close to God. I don't know what he wants for me. I don't know why I can't get over this. He's calling us to surrender. He's calling us to be humble. He's calling us to rely on him and not rely on ourselves. That's the thing, church. We, we must pursue God. We must. You can continue to control certain things in your life, that's fine, but you can't control everything. Jesus said that. In this life, you will have trouble. You are, it's just going to happen. I'm not like trying to put like bad juju on you or something. Like, we don't even need that. Like, it's like, well, I'm going to face something crappy this week. Like, we're going to feel that. And I feel like so much of us, we, we go through, I do, again, it's like, I, I do it myself. We, we go through the routine of life, and we're not even thinking about how God is playing into that. We're not even thinking about what God may want for us that day. We're not even posturing ourselves in the way of like, okay, God, who do you want me to, to reach out to today? Who do you want me to, to be, whose life do you want me to be a, a part of today? And really at the end of it, like as we close this enough series, the thing is, God is enough. God is enough. But I think we have taken that enough and we've changed the definition of what that looks like in our life. We've made it to be that I have a certain amount of money in my bank account. We've made it that I, you know, I have a certain job or I have, I have certain things in my life. And until we get to the point where we recognize the limitations of those things, God won't be enough. That sounds very unspiritual. But he, he just won't. Because we will continue to rely on ourselves. And like Jesus said to the disciples, how do we fix this? How do we do this? Why couldn't we fix this? It only comes through prayer. If we are not taking the time to connect with God, we won't have enough. We can't be enough. We won't be able to do enough. We won't, it won't matter. We'll just sit there spinning. So wherever you are today, whatever you're dealing with, whatever the, the struggle, the tension, I invite you to that, to, to spend time, to take time this week and truly reach out to God. And if you have your doubts, hey, be like the Father. Say, help me with my unbelief. Be honest with them. I also want to invite, we don't, we don't usually do this, but um, I actually talked to Pastor Jason about this. If after service, you just want prayer, 
uh, we'd, we'd be happy to pray for you. If you feel like you're really struggling with belief, if you feel like you're just being attacked, whatever it may be, we'd love to pray for you. Um, so after service, Pastor Jason can be in the back and, and can pray for you, or you can reach out to myself as well. Um, we'd love to just pray for you. If you feel like you're struggling believing that. We believe that we have a big God who can do big things. And we also believe that he loves us very much. And so as we close the series, God is enough for all that we have. And I encourage us to dig into that. Pursue God. Pray. Lean in to what he has. Let's pray. God, I love you, and I'm so thankful for all that you're doing. I think for every single person that is either watching online or who is here in this room right now, we all carry massive weights, God. Some seemingly too much for us to handle. And I pray that, that we would fight against the temptation to just continue to do it on our own, we would stop, we would take a second, we would rest, we would look to you, that we would pray, that we would align ourselves to, to you, to what you're doing, God. And we trust, God, we trust that when we do that, that you will speak to us, that you will encourage, that you will equip, God, for everything that we need to get through. God, you are good. We love you. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. As I said, after service, after the song, if you guys need prayer, please reach out, let us know. Uh, we are going to continue in worship, so if you please stand and join us as we continue singing. Let's sing praised for the unwavering love the Father has for us. I love you, Lord. Oh, your mercy never fails me all my days. 